Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about a bunch of comics that came out this very week. We're going to get into it. There's going to be no disagreements, which I'm <laughs> very excited about. I Reading through The Stack and what we have here, I could just see you, you and me, Pete. It's going to be a meeting of minds. Oh, man. No Justin here to get in the way. Disagree I, I feel with bad us. for you because... We're reviewing a lot of X-Men stuff, and you don't mm-hmm. have a friend in the room anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm scared. Uh, yeah. Let's jump into it and talk about something that I think we're going to agree on. That Texas Blood, number two from Image Comics by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. We had very complimentary things to say about the first issue of this, which I think I referred to as... Very similar to Criminal, but very specifically set in Texas versus the first issue, which was a one shot and introduced some of the characters we're going to be following. Here we start a new story that's going to go over several issues as a old resident of a Texas town returns home after his brother dies. There's some twists. There's some angst. Uh, again, Jacob Phillips, you might recognize the last name as the, I believe, son of Sean Phillips, who does the art on Criminal. It's very reminiscent of that to me still. I thought uh, you were going to say Lou Diamond Phillips for a second. Just a friend. Oh, Just okay. a friend of Lou Diamond Phillips. Okay. Uh, what do you think about this book, Pete? Yeah, this is great. I also really like how it starts, you know, uh, with the older lady in bed, you know, she notices her husband's not there. It's a it's a nice kind of like quiet start to something. Really kind of gives you the feeling of the small town kind of start, which I really liked, especially when he goes to the diner and gets a lot of those reactions. Like, I really like the way they really thought about the pacing and how they're kind of getting us all into this town of Texas. I think this is really smart. The art's unbelievable. There's some great storytelling. I'm nervous to see how this unfolds just because I'm scared, but uh, I think this is really cool. Yeah, I agree. The thing that's going to differentiate this from criminal long term, though, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips definitely built up their own cast of characters there, is this town that this takes place in, that we're going to see locations set up that we're going to revisit. We're going to have families and other 
old sins that are going to be revisited there. So we're only on this second issue, but it feels so confident in its delivery throughout. Uh, like you said, very impressive. Uh, good crime story if you're looking for that. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. All right, next one to talk about Empire, number three from Marvel Comics, story by Al Ewing and Dan Slott, script by Al Ewing, art by Valerio Shiti. If you haven't been reading this, there is a group of plant people who are attacking Earth, and only the Avengers and Fantastic Four can stop them. Or can they? This is a big crossover. Ah, big crossover. Again, we've been very complimentary about, I think, the first two issues of this. Certainly, I expressed some reservations um, but yeah, and also uh, that we were we talked about the zero issue versus the one, like mm-hmm. where it should have started, you know. But now we're into it. We are halfway yeah. through the event proper. This is issue three out of six. How you feeling at this halfway point? Well, I tell you, it's interesting. It's uh, there is like some great action in here. You get the classic clobbering time, which is just fun. Um, but you also get to kind of see. Tony Stark freaking out a little bit here, you know, like uh, having a hard time with past mistakes. And they kind of talk about things that are happening and how the team split up. So this is an interesting issue where it kind of like sets things up of what's kind of what's going on. But I do like them talking about Black Panther and what a badass he is. That makes me very happy. I want more out of this book. I think now that we are three issues in, I still like the writing. Al Ewing and Dan Slott are great. Valeria Sheedy's art is great superhero stuff. They're fun, breezy books to read, but there's just not enough going on here. Too much of this book is spent with recapping things that are going on in all of the side books when this should be driving things. This feels like it's picking up too much. It feels like there's a lot of plot points that are based on things that happened decades earlier at this point in comic books. And though I'm enjoying reading it, I want it to be bigger and I want it to be more. Well, and maybe, I mean, the nerd in you has got to be excited that they're checking things off that they've kind of set down for years now. You know, I mean, there's got to be kind of some some niceness there a little bit, right? Well, listen, man, I always love the thing in the back of the book where they give you the checklist and they show you all the tie-in books. Yeah. I love that they've made that into comic book form for Empire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's probably a little too mean because there yeah. is still some fun stuff that goes on here. There's some great character Plus, stuff that happens have to with... answer to Dan Slott. You know, he's not going to just lay down and take this bullshit you're no, saying No, he's not. He's going to come kill me. Yeah. Uh, there's some great Hulkling stuff in particular. He's been the yeah. real... A literal hero of the series in terms of the way that they've depicted everything that he's done. So it's fun to see what is going on with him. And I think they're going to pick it up in the second half. Yeah, I think so too. But also like that whole sword thing was kind of cool where, you know, everybody's like talking about how they need it. And then he's just like, yeah, okay, you go take it. And then everybody freaks out. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, It's, It's not a bad event by any means. I just want it to feel a little more epic than it is right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I feel like they are going to get there. It's kind of building up, but we'll see. It's just weird that halfway through and we're still building it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. See what happens. Batman Superman number 10 from DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Clayton Henry. This is Batman and Superman, as you can imagine for the title, uh, mm-hmm. Team It Up. They are fighting the Ultra Humanite, who, as everybody knows, is a brain in a monkey's body. Pete, 
You must love this character. You love I this do. villain. I do, yes. This is very cool. I really love the art in this. Uh, this fun style that they kind of put on both Batman and Superman, where it's a little different but still feels like them, which I really appreciate. It kind of has, makes it feel like Invincible, uh, that comic mm-hmm. from Image, kind of has yep. that flavor, which I think is cool because it's like when you get a team-up book, it's an opportunity to see these characters a little differently, and I'm glad that the art is kind of leading that a little bit. So it's interesting. I think this is a kind of like a great villain setup of uh, Ultra Humanite, and I think that like this is a cool – I'm interested. I'm on board. Like I'm, I feel like this is, oh, shit, this is going to be crazy. Let's see how they get out of this. And I feel like they did a great job of, like, in a classic comic book way, introduce a villain, introduce the stakes. Okay, here we go. And it's um, it's it's nice because the art is kind of giving us a fresh take on uh, these two characters who we know really well. I agree. It's a really good threat level for Batman v Superman, uh, yeah. Batman and Superman, which you really yeah, it's need to. It's not V. It's, you know, no, plus. it's not V. It's Batman loves Superman. Yeah. Uh, it, it's the right threat level for them, I think, for this book. Uh, Joshua Williamson is sitting that really nicely. Yeah. Continuing our Joshua Williamson block, let's move over to Nailbiter Returns, number three from Image Comics, story and art by Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson. We've been loving this book. This takes place in a town called Buckaroo that is full of serial killers. And now they're going hog wild in town. There's basically a purge night thing going on, except for themed serial killers. Man, this book is so dark, but so much fun. Um, I love this issue. Yeah, this is great. This is really intense. The whole thing at the movie theater was insane. And the clowns, you know, freak me the fuck out. But this is really the action. The car stuff was really badass. I very, very much enjoyed this. It's so dark and fucked up. That whole, like, like weird dream sequence with the thumb missiles and him biting them. It was, I, I thought this is really cool. I think he talked about this a little bit when it was on our live show, but it does feel like sort of the alien to aliens type situation where the yeah. first series was creepy. It was horror. It took its time. This one is pedal to the metal from the beginning. Yeah. It's just insane action, horrific blood. I felt very uncomfortable reading into the room with my kids, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's super fun and funny at the same time. Uh, great stuff. Really yeah. like this book a lot. And then the whole, like him breaking out of the cell, that was just really badass. Next up, here's one. Here's, I think, the first one we're going to disagree on, Pete. Mm -hmm. X-Factor number one from Marvel Comics, written by Leah Williams, art by David Baldion. This was my favorite issue in the stack this week. I love this book. I did not know what to expect going into here, but the concept of the book, as we know, the X-Men now live on Krakoa. They could be resurrected. Fuck Island. Uh, fuck Island uh, by five members, five mutants. But what this deals with is that they have a resurrection queue. And because everybody wants to be resurrected, they have 16 million mutants that they need to resurrect after Genosha that 
if a mutant, say, gets murdered or goes missing or something like that, it's going to take them a while to figure out the priority in the queue there. So once North Star's twin Aurora goes missing and he's told, we don't know whether she's missing until we find a body, he assembles a team, puts them together, goes after and tries to figure out what's happened to Aurora. Uh, and I uh, love the procedural nature here, how Leah Williams puts together the team, figures out each power and how they're important, how to use them in a different way to solve this mystery. It is such a smart, targeted book that explores an area of this new X-Men universe that I didn't even really think about before. It's great. It's one of my favorite spinoffs of X-Men so far. Well, I'm, but, glad, I'm glad you're having fun. You know, I am. Yeah, that's great. That is great. Yeah. The problem is uh, there's just so much happening on shit island right now where it's like people are going missing. People are dying. Nobody seems to care because everybody's partying and having a great time. But, you know, uh, I'm glad they're like, okay, if we can bring people back. Yeah, I'm sure there would be a line of people. To be like, you know, bring this person back, bring that person back because of all uh, the deaths. So uh, that's interesting, you know, but I just really was, I would have been so much happier if you didn't put Dokken on the fucking team. Like just I seeing knew that it. I fucking knew piece it. of shit was just so they, upsetting. But Pete, they spent the entire book shitting on him. Everybody hates yeah, they did. Nobody wants yeah, him to be as, there. Yeah. And that, that was fun. Like, you should have liked that. The fact that everybody's like, oh, you're the worst. Get out of here. <laughs> Leave us alone. Yeah. And then. We know what would have been great is if they listened to their own advice and then said, yeah, we don't need you. Because literally in this issue, you see how unneeded he is. No, but he proves himself that he is worthwhile for the team by the end. By the end. And then by takes the end of one issue. Like He's like, you're welcome. Ah, it's great. It's a great team nope. of weird characters. There's enough mysteries to get going. It's a great, smart procedural setup. This is a nope. good book, Pete. Nope. This it's is the, art's the only good thing that's book. Great. This is the Bible. Oh, my God. Stop. Stop. <laughs> the art's fantastic. I really liked it a lot. Legion of Superheroes number seven from DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Rod Sook and Wade Van Grawbanger. Uh, this is another book of Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know what to say because I like this and I like Brian Sook's art. Brian Michael Bendis's uh, writing is always reliable, but like not a lot goes on. It's this, basically the Legion. Not- yeah, there is no action in this book at all. It's a lot of talking, a lot of meetings. There's nothing worse than someone who has to do meetings to then read a comic about meetings and how shitty they are. And, I mean, sure, it's nice to be able to fly when you're, like, floating and making a point. Mm-hmm. seems very dramatic, but it's not enough for a whole comic. I mean, first off, it starts off that first page. is just a ton of reading. you got to go through the kind of, like... Well, that's the recap page. Yeah, yeah. And it's well-written because it's Bendis, so it's talky in a fun way. But then that first uh, splash page, now that was great. Very much enjoyed that. That was really cool. But then just doesn't do anything. It just talks. 
And uh, again, all the characterization is good, so I like that. I just want this to get to something that's a little less 35 characters in a room together all talking at the same time, you know? Yeah. That's all. Uh, But still, well-made book, Rogue Planet number three from Odie Press, written by Cullen Bunn and illustrated by Andy McDonald. Uh, You know, we were talking about Alien earlier. This is what if every single alien invasion idea visiting a terrible planet happened at the same time. Like, what if it was Thing meets Alien meets Aliens meets They Live meets so many meets Avatar meets so many other things. It is wild how many things happen in this book. They're all gross and terrifying, but it's so well done. Yeah, it's really great. And it's crazy because, like, every time we read an issue, I'm like, okay, I think what's I know what's going on in this comic. I got a <laughs> grasp, and then they're like, "Nope, another level." And you're like, well, uh, "Guys, I think we got enough. We don't have to keep coming up with crazier <laughs> and crazier stuff." But yeah, it's it's really a lot. It's a, so much going on. It's kind of it insane. is. It's amazing. It's honestly kind of impressive how they're hitting this book because it's about a bunch of astronauts that go to salvage stuff off a planet and then encounter some horrible things that are killing them off. And we're so used to from movies and TV and uh, novels and whatever else that they go to this planet and it's one specific thing. Instead, they go to this planet and at first it's like, oh, your entrails are going to explode out of your head and make yeah. a tower to the sky. Yeah, and you're like, of course. Oh, okay. Th- oh, yeah. yeah that's that the thing. Yeah, no problem. That's what's happening. Yeah. Okay. And then it's, nope, actually, there's some blue aliens that are trying to kill everybody and sacrifice people maybe to these entrail towers. Okay. Okay. And then, sure. Sure. Okay. That's fine. And it was like, Oh, and sometimes, uh, some <laughs> of the bodies get reanimated and controlled and try to seduce other bodies. If you're like, Wait, okay, what? that's a lot as well. Like you're starting <laughs> to put more stuff on here. And then this is, you're like, what if some of the bodies turned into skeleton dogs and tried to eat everybody else? <laughs> oh my God. And it's just, and then don't forget about the juice that makes you feel like everything's okay. That's not, you know, it's insanely creative. It plays against expectations at every turn, which I think is what's great about it. And it hasn't quite hit critical mass yet, but to your point, it just keeps raising the stakes every issue, which is insane. But definitely yeah. check this one out. Another space set one, Ascender number 11 from Image Comics ooh, Storytelling ooh, ooh, by ooh. Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn. This is picking up at a big cliffhanger or exciting cliffhanger for the last issue where a fan favorite character from Descender showed up against Driller, yeah. the robot. Driller's a real killer. He is back and he is saving the day as usual. You had to love this, Pete. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then Driller and the little, little dog bot. I mean, come on. It was really sweet. This was great. And Driller, uh, you know, taking care of the zombies at the end, that was really touching. Uh, uh, yeah, this this has really been impressive. I mean, it's been a lot, you know, with the sender, descender, and all this stuff going on, but they've still had this really amazing story throughout all of it. And you can't say enough about the art. It's like watercolor paintings on every panel. It is so beautiful. I say it a lot, but it is worth it for the art alone. It really is. Dustin Wynn's art is phenomenal. Jeff Lemire's storytelling is phenomenal. There really is nothing like this in comics in terms of sci-fi storytelling. It's epic. It feels like a fairy tale at the same time. It's always based on these characters and and this family. 
quick. Like they're they're mm-hmm. telling a big story, which is very enjoyable. Yeah, and it's funny too. There's some yeah. funny moments at the end with some villains uh, that are great. This book, if you haven't read it, go back, read all of Descender, yeah. read all it. of Ascender, Worth get it. caught up. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man number 45 from Marvel Comics, written by Nick Spencer and art by Mark Bagley. This is picking up on the Sins Arising prelude that was released last week that we talked about on the stack. The Sin Eater is back, and he's going after Spider-Man's villains. In this issue specifically, he goes after Overdrive. The first thing that I'll say on the art alone, Ben, Mark Bagley is the Spider-Man artist, right? At this point, I think, like, you read a Spider-Man book, you see Mark Bagley art, and there's just something comfortable about that. Yeah, it's, I mean, the way he does action in Spider-Man, it's really great. I mean, there have been a lot of amazing Spider-Man artists. I, I don't want to just kind of like uh, uh, s- say one over others, but this is really... The, the, uh, the modern Spider-Man artist. How about that? Oh, that's all right. I mean, some people stop liking Spider-Man once he made a deal with the devil, but you know, whatever. Jesus you know what I mean? Christ, like, you know, So, you know, it's... Oh, my God. It's tough, but... Uh, it's been 10 to 15 years. Come on. I'm still Grow up. My, I'm waiting for my Spider-Man to come back. But, yeah, I mean, I kind of felt like Peter Parker... He's dating Mary Jane currently. Yeah. They talk about it in this book. Sure do. Yeah, my God. This is dark and interesting, and I think the way they're going with it is kind of fascinating. It's certainly swerving in a direction you wouldn't expect. Overdrive is one of these characters from Brand New Day that hasn't really gotten his due, and it's fun to see Spider-Man interacting with him. The Sin Eater is a little bit different in this. This is a good story. I didn't know what to expect from this, but I'm fascinated to see where this goes. Cool. Right, Pete? Yeah. Cool. Plunge number five from DC Comics, written by Joe Hill and art by Stuart Eminem. Pete, this is a bunch bunch of worms crawling out of people's faces, and you must have loved this. This This is so fucking creepy, man. This was like the fucking creepiest shit. I mean, I hate fucking bugs and zombies in this. uh, Like, oh, even kill, like, even took out a killer whale in like one of the creepiest ways. I mean, this was. You know, it's Joe Hill, so you're going to get a horror story. You know, there is going to be a serious creep factor. But, uh, you know, it's, this is a crazy story. I'll be interested to see how this kind of pays off as it moves forward. Unlike Rogue Planet, which is a million different things, this is basically Joe Hill's riff on The Thing. And he's doing a great job with it. Uh, Stuart Eminence art always is phenomenal. Like you said, there's just creepy bugs crawling out oh, of people's faces, mind control that. things going on. Um, we're heading towards the end game here, so it will be interesting to see how it wraps up. Uh, but it definitely feels like, like I was saying, Joe Hill trying to do the thing, but doing his own thing, which is yeah. kind of neat to see. Uh, so good book. Next up, Lost Soldiers, number one, from Image Comics, written by Elise Cott and art by Luca Casalaguido. Uh, this, I was very surprised by. I didn't know what to expect, but it tells a story of a bunch of soldiers in Vietnam. One of them, and this is a spoiler for the book, but I think it's the part that really sold me on it. He may actually be in the present, but flashing back and forth between different timelines, probably because of the trauma he suffered or what was done with him back in the Vietnam War. Um, 
Luca Casalanguido's art is gorgeous for yeah. everything across the board. And this is one of, even with the time jumping, one of the more straightforward stories that Elise Cott has done recently. And uh, I like this quite a bit. Yeah, this is very interesting. Uh, you're kind of really thrown into a lot of action, which is great. You're trying to kind of figure out uh, where it's going to all go wrong. And then there's like also these like really interesting kind of news clippings in the back that make it feel really real, which is great. Uh, yeah, uh, the storytelling, the action, the art, this is all really a solid book um, and a really great cover. Uh, yeah, I think this is great. Very impressive. Definitely check this out if you're looking for an interesting take on a war comic. Archie number 713 from Archie Comics Story by Mariko Tabaki and Kevin Pineda. Art by Laura Braga. This is the much delayed because of the pandemic conclusion of the Archie and Katie Keene storyline. Yeah, Katie Keene really lost somewhere in New York. On what's going to happen with uh, Keene here mm-hmm. in New York? Mm-hmm. Uh, Archie is tracking her down, trying to find what's happening because she turned down a fashion deal. I got to tell you, given the, all the news that's broken in the intervening time, Katie Keene getting canceled, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina getting canceled, and seeing Sabrina and Katie Keene here interacting with the Riverdale characters, really kind of sad to read at this point. Oh, really? I, yeah. I liked it because I was like, oh, well, at least we can all still be in comics and be happy here. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they can shut us down on the TV shows, but it's nice to kind of see them do their thing in the comic. And I, I you know, not that big of a Archie head, but I don't know, because of all the shows and because of all the things I was really into this. And I thought it kind of really felt fit with the Katie King character. And I liked because at first it's like, why are you just walking away from a sweet deal? But then you kind of find out more. And Archie just wasn't a complete doof in this. Like he actually helped. And so it was nice. Yeah, I mean, this is a good Archie comic, and I, to your point, it's a nice swan song for all of these things. Yeah. Certainly, they're going to continue with the comics, but reading this, it feels. Spoiler, it ends with Katie Keene deciding to move to New York, so it almost feels like a prequel to the series in a way. we got a little fun Sabrina magic that's going on. Oh, yeah. uh, so it's sweet to read this stuff. Like you're saying, it is good to know that they're going to continue. It did make me a little sad to read, but it's still a good comic book. Yeah. Next one to talk about. I'm very nervous to bring this up, Pete. X-Men number 10 from Marvel Comics, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Lanille Francis Yu. This is tying into Empire, uh, and there's a cheeky thing that happens on the title page where they talk about, hey, so the Kawadi have taken over an area of the moon and decided to claim the moon for their own. Hey, who do we know who lives on the moon? Yeah. And in fact, it's the Summers family, the ones that are left behind. I think it's two of the cuckoos who are wearing different hair now. I'm not 100% sure about that. Yeah, they don't really, yeah. It seems like it. Vulcan, who is the third Summers brother, who is the focus of the issue. Uh, Over the course of the issue, they drink a bunch of margaritas and drinks. They wander to the moon. They kill a bunch of Kawadi. And that's pretty much the issue. Pete, go ahead. Hit me with it. Yeah, so this is just Sex Island on the fucking moon. It's, uh, you know. What sounds bad about that? 
Why would you not want to read a book called Sex Island of the Fucking Moon? <laughs> because, you know, people come to comics for different reasons, Albin. All right. You know, if you want to get your perv on, you go right ahead. You know what I mean? But that's not for me. I want to see some action. I want to see have some fun as far as, you know, like what these characters are going to do, how they're going to grow. Do you like do you like James Bond movies? Yeah. Well, uh, did you not old ones, but uh, not you know, old ones like yeah. which not old ones? I don't know, the ones that aren't fucking appropriate anymore, man. Okay. What'd you think about, like, uh, just to throw out a random one, Moonraker? What'd you think about that? Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> Fuck you. But I think that... You like I it, do don't like you? I do like the idea... Because that's... I do like the Sex idea. Island on the fucking moon, Pete. That's what the plot of that no. movie is, Moonraker. Okay. okay. Watch a porno, Zalbin. Don't go to comic books, all right? I don't know right? how to use the internet. <laughs> all right. My point is... I like the idea that all the theaters are closed. On, Where am Jesus I supposed Christ. to go? Oh my god! Can let me finish. Oh, there's no booths anymore. Oh my god! For me to go to, <laughs> tell me you a did, very you sexy that thing guy. to do. Go into a small booth. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Can't think of anything sexier. Great. So. I do like this idea of who are you underneath? You know what I mean? Like he is, he has a fire burning, you know, like we all do. We have a little bit of a fire in us. And I think it's interesting to see if he is going to be a weapon used for evil, if it's going to be good, like how that's going to play out. So that part was very interesting. So I was happy about that. And the art's phenomenal. This is, I think, the main reason you should like this. This is a particularly horny issue of the X-Men. Like, ludicrously horny to the point where it's just people being like, you want to get drunk and fuck on the moon? What are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. Like, we're on the moon. A good chunk of it. When we cut to the rest of the Summers family, they're like, we took a break from fucking on the moon to go fuck on a beach somewhere. Is that cool? And yeah, they leave a note about it. It's wild. Like the thing that's wild about it is there was always a sexuality in the X Men books, particularly in the Chris Claremont years. But by comparison, Chris Claremont was subtle about the sexuality of the X Men, which he was not. Like to be clear, he wasn't. But Jonathan Hickman is like, let's take any of that that was even remotely subtext and make that, I don't even know if this is a thing. Let's make it super text. (laughs) Like there's no way of avoiding it. And it is insane to read that to the point where Vulcan's like, I don't know if I want to have a threesome on the moon. I guess I'll go (laughs) kill these plant people instead. (laughs) That's a crazy plot for a book. And it's, to read something like that, it feels fresh and wild and engaging just because I cannot believe I'm reading this in a mainstream X-Men comic book. Like, that they are getting away with something that is legitimately this horny on Maine is impressive. Well, I'm glad you're impressed by it. I am. I'm very impressed by X-Men number 10. Shadow Roads number 9 from Odie Press. Story by Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt. Written by Brian Hurt. Illustrated by A.C. Zamudio. Pete, you have a question? Well, I just wanted to point out, you were impressed. I was really impressed with this book. 
I love this book. I thought the art, storytelling, this is, uh, I'm very excited to kind of move forward with this book. Unbelievable. Very cool. So many different things happening. The different kind of art styles for the different characters. This is really, really amazing. Uh, some of, like, the flashback stuff was so beautiful, so well drawn. Unbelievable character development and storytelling in this, like, crazy, messed up, f- futuristic time traveling. I, this is great. So I know Cullen Bunn wrote on this. I don't know if this is completely the same team, and I probably should have looked it up, but this is very in line with The Sixth Gun, which was another fantasy, dark fantasy book that he did. So here... I'm sorry. What? I just have in front of me. So it's Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt, written by Brian Hurt, and then... Um, Oh, I just mean, uh, did uh, I don't remember who did the six gun? If it was just Colin Bunn and who okay. did the art on it, uh, whether it's the same team there, but um, this is sort of a dark fairy story is essentially what's going on. Yeah, um, there's some mythological things that we get a hint on in this issue. This was one that I was just jumping into, but like you, I was really engaged in this book. Uh, it's good storytelling. It's good art. It's a good fantasy story. It's definitely one that I want to go back and read up to this point because it seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and again, if you read The Six Gun, which seems a little darker than this, this seems in line with that. Also, Last there's... Gonna... Uh, oh, go ahead. There is a ad in the back for new stuff in The Long Road to Liquor City. Uh, Macon Blair, who uh, Pitt had, uh, uh, who is a movie guy and now doing comics. Uh, this is very exciting. I'm very excited to check that out. That's great. Always look at the ads. That's what I always say. Last one to talk about Hedra number one from Image Comics by Jesse Lonergan. This is basically a silent Gulliver's travel in space. It is, every page is based on, I I did the multiplication here, I think it's a 35-panel grid that he plays around with. Wow, this book was great. It's really amazing. Uh, Really takes uh, the comic book art form, really kind of plays with it, tries different things. There's, There's no talking, it's just all art different panels. I really was really impressed by this. Very cool. Very artistic in such a great way. Uh, Yeah. Really creative. I thought this was such a great comic. Yeah. This is a really beautiful one shot story that I think everybody should pick up if they have the opportunity. Um, It's one that I really regretted not being able to read in print, honestly, because it feels like being able to, sit with the physical nature of the pages and really be able to explore it versus flipping through it digitally. You're missing a little bit of the experience there. Um, but so good. It's also oversized. I think it's 40 or 50 pages. Uh, and it's, it's great. It tells a complete story. It's something that you will want to explore and look back on. Definitely, definitely pick this up. And that's it. If you want to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out and chat about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Uh, What else? Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. We'll see you next week at the virtual comic book shop. (laughs) 